Today, we've got a story so inspiring that even CNBC had our guest on their program to talk about her story about selling on Amazon and how she uses Helium 10. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. We've got a serious seller here. So serious that she's world famous on CNBC. Chan Chan, how's it going? Hey, Bradley. Thanks for having me. Now, it was so funny how you came onto my radar because we have a couple eagle-eyed employees here at Helium 10. Matt Sky and Zoe are our vice president of product. Okay. And in our private Slack or our company Slack, they, they came on, they're like, hey, look at this. Uh, you know, uh, here, here's a cool uh, person who's using Helium 10. And then they put this link uh, uh, of, was it MSNBC or CNBC? CNBC. CNBC. The CNBC news piece of you and then so i watched it and I, and I kept waiting for like this big helium 10 mention i was like there's nothing about helium 10 here i was like what are you guys talking about and then i don't know how they found it but there's this like tiny tiny words at the bottom of like one of the graphs that said how yeah. she uses helium 10 I'm like how did you guys even see that but then i reached out to you and i was like hey so use helium 10 and, and now we're connected and and i kind of stopped it there because i like just getting your your full story live you know while we're talking and so I, I just want to do that. But first of all, uh, congratulations on, on your success. I mean, I think it's it's a, it's a testament to what you've been able to do where you, you're an entrepreneur and now you've done so well that you're even featured on, on major media here. So that's awesome. But I want to take it all the way back to your history. Were you born and raised in America or elsewhere? I was born and raised in China until okay. I was about six years old. But what not part? Um, it's, it's in the province of Jiangxi, but it's, uh, actually like a rural, more rural town. Okay. Um, when I grew up, you know, there was definitely no refrigerators or no plumbing. Wow. Very simple life. Um, and then I moved from China to Albuquerque and it was like, Oh my goodness. That's a culture shock right there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was like coming out of the jungle. Um, I remember my first day at, in grade one. I had to go to the bathroom and I found the bathroom and it had a little, a picture of a little person. And I was like, I'm a human. That's me. And I walked in and it was the boys bathroom and the Albuquerque boys were like, Oh my gosh, they were so cute. They, they pushed me out, but they were like nice about it. I love um, Albuquerque area. I love the spices, the, the food. I, I used to eat this one restaurant there, hot tamales, I think it was called. And uh, I even bought a house in Rio Rancho uh, right there. And I was going to move there, but uh, didn't end up doing it. Now, what brought you guys to Albuquerque? That's not exactly, you know, usually when people immigrate from, from China, you think of, you know, New York, you know, California. What was happening in New Mexico that brought your family there? My dad was doing his master's there. What was his master's in? Uh, geology. Geology. Cool, cool. So then growing up, like, you know, when you're first, second, third grade there, did you like want to be a geologist like your dad? Or what was your life ambition when you're in elementary school? As a kid, I think I just wanted to be whatever was pushed to me that a woman should do. So like veterinarian, teacher. I think I wanted to be a teacher. 
um, hairdresser, maybe. And, okay. and that's why, you know, there's a saying, like, you can't be what you can't see. And that I think that's so true. Like, I, you know, I thought I was just going to be one of those stereotypical, uh, nothing wrong with those careers, great careers, but that's yeah. what I thought were the only careers I could do. Okay. Um, All right. And it wasn't until I got older that I decided to do like 180. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's how a lot of us who end up in the e-commerce space, and that's why I ask that question to every single one of our guests. What did you want to be when you grow up? Because very rarely, I mean, not very rarely, zero people say, oh, I want to be an Amazon seller or something because, you know, yeah. <laughs> that didn't even exist back then. It's just not even nowadays. I don't think any any kid knows about selling on Amazon or e-commerce, but we all have these different ideas about how we want our life to turn out and we we end up taking different paths, but then somehow a lot, all of us uh, end up here in the e-commerce space. And I think it's cool to, to chronicle that journey. So upon graduating high school, did you attend uh, college here in the States? So I am Canadian. I okay. actually grew, um, lived most of my life in Vancouver. Um, and that was just because it was the easiest place to get a citizenship. Um, yeah. Much easier than here. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I went to college there, and I university they call it over there, right? Exactly. Oh my, I don't know what else they call it here. Um, and I did a one eighty instead of doing like all the female careers that was being pushed. I yeah. decided, what is the career? Well, I will be the only female on the team, and it is tech sales. So okay. I, I started working in, in consulting firms and tech firms doing sales up there in Canada. Okay. Did you like it? It was really fun. And it taught me a lot of really good skills with people. Um, tech skills was helpful. Um, but I did it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. so that, that's a long time. And I kind of have this like silly dream where I want to do like a different career every 10 years. So this, this decade, I think it's e-commerce. Okay. Okay. So then is, was it the tech job that brought you to, to uh, California originally? It was, yes. Okay. All right. Now, at what point did you discover Amazon or e-commerce or, or how did it get on your radar? Like, you know, it's, again, this is not typical. You know, sometimes we Amazon sellers, we think everybody knows about selling on Amazon, but the fact is, you know, you, you tell 10 of your friends what you do, they most of them won't even understand it. So it's not something that just naturally comes up. So like, was it a YouTube ad or, or what brought you uh, to the ideation that, hey, I can like, you know, maybe start a career on Amazon? Uh, it's a channel called Graham Stephen. Have you heard of him? Mm. No? Okay. He's a very popular fire movements YouTuber. Um, and he uh, he actually does the reaction videos to CNBC's Millennial Money series. And he basically just likes to talk about, you know, how to reach financial freedom earlier. Um, and that created sort of a deep-rooted hunger in me to want to reach fire earlier um, financial independence retire early and then from that youtube video i started watching other youtube videos that were about ways to do that and yeah. easily the most popular way was to do a passive income stream with amazon and then that's when i started watching tons and tons of youtube amazon videos every day and that's when it got kind of that spark interesting so what year about is this this was in 2019. Okay. So, so just a barely, not even two years ago. Okay. So then were you working full-time in the, in the tech job at the time? I was. Yes. Okay. What, um, you know, it, approximately how much money were you making in your full-time job 
like, you know, was it a six figure salary or? Yeah, it ranged from like 100K to 130K. Okay. So, you know, it was, it wasn't like, oh my goodness, I'm financially destitute. You know, that's why I'm looking elsewhere. Um, you were making a, a comfortable salary. What was attractive, you know, because, you know, sometimes we think about that. Like if, if somebody who's working at McDonald's or, or the, which obviously there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, but, or another minimum wage job, it's like a no brainer. Well, duh. Yeah. I would love to get more money, you know, uh, e-commerce. I can make this much, of course, you know, but then I, I, I do talk to a lot of professionals, you know, who come from, you know, ex lawyers and different things who are already making six figure salaries. So somebody like you, what's, what, what was the, what made you still consider it? Like, uh, is it, was it the time that, you know, the work life balance that you felt could have been better in e-commerce or what, what was it exactly? Um, it was really the not having to work for someone else, calling all your own shots. Yeah. I have a saying that I made up. Um, I would rather be the queen of a small empire than a servant in a large one. Oh my goodness. I, I guarantee you uh, our social media manager is going to like take a picture of you and then have that as like one of our Instagram uh, quotations and stuff. I love that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and, and yeah, it's just like not like, you know what I hate? I hate performance reviews mm -hmm. or, or mm -hmm. someone that, you know, someone's like, Oh, I give you a meets expectations on this. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want to be ranked, or, you know, um, on my expectations, like rate me based on my sales, but, but yeah. Um, so it's Re requesting like vacation days, yeah. uh, things like that. Yeah. It's just the corporate life. It was after 10 years of it, it wasn't, yeah. um, you know, I can't wait to wake up to work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So 2019, mm -hmm. you're, you're still working full time. Now you're like on the radar of Amazon. What's the next step? You know, did you, did you just start like diving into courses or, or did you just, you know, try and teach yourself? Did you get a mentor? Like, you know, there's all different kinds of ways to, to learn about Amazon, but uh, what was that educational part for you? I watched a ton of YouTube videos, but for like a year, I took no action because I could not get over the hump of what's my first product. Mm -hmm. I was so scared of failure and I just didn't know what to do. So couldn't figure it out. Um, and okay. it wasn't until April 4th when the Surgeon General said, everyone should wear face masks. And none of my friends had good face masks. But I was like, I'm doing face masks. Okay. Um, and that was a great timing. Wow. All right. So, wow. I mean, that's, uh, I love it. You know, like uh, so last year, so many people were, were saying, oh, you know, I, I'm about to start on Amazon. They're like, uh oh, the pandemic is here. You know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to wait till this blows over before I start. I was like, no guys, this is like, this is the best time in the history of e-commerce to start selling online because I guarantee more people are going to be shopping online than ever before. And not even just talking about things like face masks, but obviously it's a no brainer that, that people were, were going to need face masks a lot more. So was it purely just a gut? a gut feeling or, or just, you know, a no brainer thing, or did you actually like start looking into the numbers? Like how many people started searching for it or, or how much money other people were making? Or were you just like, I'm just doing this. I was just like, I'm doing it. And, um, I was actually a little delusional at first. I thought because <laughs> there were so few face masks around that, like the moment I launched, I would get like 30 orders a day. Yeah. And it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you don't get 30 orders on the first day of launch. Yeah. Um, so, what kind of face mask are we talking about? First of all, like, like just the, 
you know, the, the, the hospital kind of ones or N95 or like graphical ones or what? Um, mine, I do like the most important features like filter pocket. So you want to have a filter pocket to put filter inserts. Uh, I have most of my masks have zippers. Um, so you can like zip it up and um, multi layers, um, elastic, adjustable um, straps, nose wires, a chin cup, like kind of, you know, the Ferrari of face masks that you would find um, in Asian countries where they wear it every day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In, in Asian, you know, when I lived in Japan, when I was younger, I mean, and I always go to Asia, it's like everybody wears, not everybody, but it, it, face masks have always been a thing, you know, like yeah. when you go to school and stuff. So it wasn't anything new. So that's, did you airship everything like your first shipments to try and get it fast or did you just do it uh, ocean? A hundred percent airship because speed was like the name of the game. Right. And okay. I, how, how many did you order the first one? I only ordered a thousand. A thousand. It was just one, like one variation, just like one model. Uh, about 10, 10 variations. 10 variations. Okay. Was it just one listing or was it separate listings or one listing with variations or just these variations were all separate listings? Separate listings. Okay. What was, what was the variant color or, or size or how many in one pack or what? Uh, probably design and color. So like, okay. I might have one, uh, you know, look that has three colors and then I have a yeah. totally different look that has different features that has different designs. Okay. Um, I did like very cartoony designs. I like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get some of these. All right, guys, quick break from this episode for my BTS Bradley's 30 seconds. Here's my 30 second tip for the episode. It was actually interesting when I was first talking to Shan, I noticed that she was using another software for email request uh, for, uh, for reviews, you know, sending emails or requests to review to customers. She didn't even realize that Helium 10 had it. So for all of you guys who already have Helium 10, don't forget, you've got two different ways that you can request reviews from your customers. You can send automated email in different flows, but if you're just worried that you're not going to do it within Amazon Terms of Service, just use our automation for the actual Amazon request to review feature, which is built in to follow up where you can specify what day you want your customers to get it and you know which customers to get it. Like maybe you wanna exclude everybody who's gotten a discount or only people who have ordered twice from you or three times. You, you can do so many different filters there, guys. Any Helium 10 members, make sure to have follow-up activated and request a review turned on so that you can set it and forget it and send out messages to all of your customers to ask for an Amazon review. Now, your first order of 1,000 units, was that divided among these 10 different styles already or that 1,000 was just one kind at the beginning? That was divided already. So maybe one, I would have 100 um, of that okay. style, yeah. So what was your thought process of that? You're like, you know what? I'm not sure which one is gonna be take off. So let me just order a hundred each and, and see which one uh, I'm gonna double down on. Or or you kind of had a good feeling that all 10 were were gonna be hot. So I wanted to just to do like less than 500 because I was, again, scared of failure. But but my dad was the one that was pushing me being like, Shan, just double it, you know, do a thousand. And okay. um, he was so right because um, eventually it became like, like how fast can I get the second shipment? You know, yeah. you get, um, once you get momentum, you really got to get that inventory quickly. Yeah. So you said, Hey, it wasn't just a matter of turning on this listing and I, and I sold 30 a day. Yeah. How did you start getting sales? Like what was your launch process? Like, did, did you do any launch or did you do Facebook ads or 
how did you get your product uh, in front of eyeballs? Uh, it was pay per click. Okay. And um, I I launched the thing with Amazon is when you launch say ten products, yeah. only two products will do like eighty percent of the sales. But you, well, uh, I feel like there's a name for 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 this uh, philosophy. There is a name. <laughs> The 80 20 rule, guys. Uh, what do you know? It actually, it actually is a real thing. Okay. So then? Yeah. So, like, I did keyword research on Helium and I tried my best to like figure out the right keywords um, for each item. But then most of them didn't get any paper clicks or it got, get lots of clicks and it would have zero sales. And then there okay. was only a few that were like the paper click spend was sustainable to how many sales it was making. Um, and it would go up in ranking quicker. And others would like just not go up in ranking at all. It's like impossible. So um, so I, I basically just kind of narrowed down to the ones that did sell. And yeah. I just kept buying the ones that did sell. And I just dropped the ones that did sell. Okay. I, li- I like that. What was your what was your ACOS like in the beginning? Were you losing money because you're just, hey, I just need to to, to concentrate on this. PPC launch here and, and make sure my, my organic rankings increase? Or were you, were you profitable from the beginning? I was profitable from the beginning. Yeah. Mm. And um, I, my philosophy with Amazon is, is very low risk. I think a lot of like sources say, you know, pick one product, buy 300 units of that one product and yeah. then go all in and like do like email mm-hmm. marketing and, and Facebook Messenger and to launch that one product. I don't believe in that just because like, like I said, the 80-20 rule, right? You could put everything in that one product and it cannot work out. Um, And for me, I decided to launch many products, like at least 10 products and see which ones stuck. And then I focused on the ones that stuck. And uh, thankfully, because the products I had were fairly low cost, you know, they were, um, they were, I sell them for 10 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> um, it, as long as like 20% hit, then it would make up for the, the loss. In the other. So, so you were just selling these masks like one by one. It wasn't like a pack of five. I'm, I'm assuming it was just one since it was $10 or was it? Yeah. It was one by one, okay. yeah. And then what was your cost on that? Or from the fat, from the factory? Um, including shipping, probably like, like a dollar 50. Okay. Even including air shipping, it was still only came out to a dollar 50. Yes, but that's, I think, partially because um, I had connections, family connections. Um, I think, you know, it, it's not always possible to get that price. Okay. Now, were these individually packaged or did they just come in like a, like a poly bag or something? Uh, yeah, they were individually packaged with, with a little poly bag. Okay. So not like, it's not like a box because I was like, you know, air shipping, that would have made it astronomical. So, so you were able to, to fit a lot in one box, I imagine because of that, right? Exactly. Yeah. You could fit okay. like 500. Okay. So what was there? You said not 30 a day in the beginning. What was your first week of sales like? So my first week of sales was one, <laughs> one mask per day. Um, were you worried at that point? Were you like, Oh crap. You know, what's <laughs> Yeah, Did I do the right thing here. That's when I realized I was delusional. I was like, I uh-huh, can't uh-huh. believe I thought I would be doing 30 a day. Um, but the turning point is, is just, first of all, I started an Etsy first um, before I started Amazon. 
Mm, Um, And the turning point was when I posted on Facebook, I was doing this. And then a bunch of my friends purchased them. Um, And then the algorithm realized, okay, this is not just, uh, you know, this is something we should pay attention to. This is not just a random listing. This this suddenly got a little bit more sales. My friends were making like five orders a day. And, And that was kind of the pivot point. Once I made five orders a day, just with friends, that's when um, Etsy decided that I was a serious shop and they, they pushed me up. Oh, so, so the, the, the five orders a day, we're not talking Amazon, we're talking on Etsy. Etsy, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. And then um, eventually I started on Amazon. It was the exact same thing. It was like one order a day. Yeah. Um, but um, with PPC and with the knowledge I gained from Etsy, um, I was able to focus on the 20% that did succeed, right? And then that, that way I didn't lose a lot of pay-per-click funding because I would move all that funding to just the 20% that would succeed. Obviously you're like, oh man, I, I was delusional. But then do you remember the point where, where it changed, where you're like, wow, look how many I sold today. This is it. Like I made the right decision. This is going to be big. I think when I hit like 10 sales a day, uh-huh. then I was like, oh my God, I could really do this. You know, I yeah. can't believe... I learned everything from YouTube and I had no background in e-commerce and I'm actually, you know, making money from this. Love it. That's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going to go for 20. And then I, when I hit that, I was like, now I'm going to go for 30. And I just kind of kept pushing up and up until I made enough that it kind of matched um, what I was making the consulting. What's the most gross sales you did in one day? Do you, do you like this, that, do you remember at all? One day it was an, an influencer. Uh, okay. She, um, she wrote this really famous book. Um, her name's Kelly Hampton and she bought one of my products, but she bought it organically. She wasn't like, I, you know, I wasn't solicited in any way. Yeah. And then she just like genuinely liked the products and she like told her, um, her Instagram following she liked it. And I just remember one day I was looking at my phone and it was like, ding, ding, ding. I was just getting tons and tons of, um, um, of sales for no apparent reason. And that was from her post. And that day, I think I did like, like a thousand to 2000. Of just a, a, a couple skews of face mask and went, there were only $10 each in, in one day. Yeah. That was mostly from her. Yeah. Amazing. Really, really cool. Now throughout all this time, I mean, you launched during the pandemic. I mean, we're, we've technically still been in a pandemic and we're seeing the, uh, the, 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 um, the effects of it even now here in um, April, my goodness, I can't believe we're in April, here of April, 2021, uh, you know, we're seeing shortages uh, of dock workers. So like ocean shipments are just like piling up and, and I, you know, I, I run products on Amazon. I, I'm feeling the effect. So that's like your normal, you know, you, you never were selling on Amazon in a, in a quote unquote normal, you know, normal time. So throughout this time, what are some of the roadblocks that you've come up with as far as, you know, maybe the factory having to shut down or, or shipping taking a lot longer or shipping skyrocketing or things getting uh, Amazon delaying checking in your products or, or not, or giving you inventory restrictions. Have any of these things uh, affected you at all? Or have you experienced any of these things? So the biggest um, pain to sales was no inventory. And okay. that happened. So the first inventory I got the 1000 mass, I managed to like just sneak it in there before a ton of regulation hit. And I got it in two weeks. After that, it was like painful to get every shipment after that. You know, there was like 
the government like didn't want to export face masks. You know, there was just a lot of regulations we had to try to circumvent. Um, and then like some of them took like a month or two in air wow. shipping. To get- Even with air shipping. Yeah. Wow. And the gap where I had no inventory um, was really a big loss of sales. I, in some ways, I never got the momentum back. Mm. Um, definitely on Etsy, I, you know, I definitely never got the momentum back that I, that I did before. Um, and Amazon, what I love about Amazon is a bit more predictable than Etsy. So okay. with Amazon, I did eventually get the momentum back, but it took a ton of PPC spend. So, yeah. so like, I would rather pay more for air shipping just to avoid losing ranking. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now you're coming up or you probably just passed a, a full year of selling overall, but let's just take the calendar year, even though you didn't start in January, Etsy and Amazon, what were your, your gross sales on each platform for, for 2020? Um, if you know those numbers. Um, I don't, I don't know the ton, the exact numbers off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but it was something like a hundred and eleven thousand was. In my- <laughs> I don't know exact numbers, but it's a hundred and eleven thousand seven hundred and thirty. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty exact. I, I would have been happy with just around a hundred thousand. That's pretty good. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, it's about a hundred and eleven thousand, but that's that's Walmart, Etsy, and Amazon combined. And I okay. I don't know the exact split, but I know Amazon was definitely over fifty. Okay. And this was for last year, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Now what was your, you know, you kind of mentioned how much you're making overall, but did you ever, uh, what is that broken down into like a percentage? Like, you know, okay. My PPC, uh, is I paid for my PPC. I paid for shipping. I paid for import duties and, and everything. What was your, 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 um, profit margin at the end of the day? Um, I think it was about for every $1, I invested in inventory. I think I got $3 back. And that is extremely good. You're trying to hurt my brain here. I'm not a mathematician. (laughs) Something was 10, um, it was $10 on Amazon, right? Okay. I think if I put in two or $3 of investment, whether it's PPC or inventory, I could probably make like $7 back. Okay. But, what about then, you know, considering the Amazon, I, I, I should have mentioned this, but I didn't. Uh, Amazon commission, Amazon ship. I'm assuming you use FBA for everything. I mean, obviously not Etsy. Did, well, actually, that's a good question. How, how did you fulfill your Etsy orders? Myself. My, yourself. Okay, so Etsy was by itself, but then Amazon, was it all fulfilled by Amazon? Yeah, so about 70% is fulfilled by Amazon. Okay, so then you've got the $1 charge or $1.50 charge or whatever yeah. uh, for the 15% commission. And then, you know, their pick, pack, and ship. I don't know. Three, four dollars. So at the end of the day, per mask, how much money were you taking home? Probably like fifty percent. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but still, if you made a hundred thousand dollars in those nine months or whatever, and, and then you're taking home, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, that that at the time that wasn't enough then to quit your day job, or was it enough for you to do that? Um, it was enough because I could see the growth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I also didn't pay myself at all last year. So last year, every dollar I made, I just put it back into the business and like bought more inventory and stuff. Um, I didn't pay myself because I just kind of lived on savings. Yeah. 
Um, and funny, the CNBC video that came out, it's, it's about uh-huh. my budget. <laughs> it's about my expense. Yeah. So it was like, there was literally a pie chart showing the world every expense that I, I spent on. Okay. So then at what point did you quit your day job? Uh, October. October. October of okay. 2020. So for six months, um, I, cause I started in April. Um, I did both jobs. So from nine to five, I would work on my tech job. And then from All five right. to 1am, I would work on my education. And I did that for six months. Okay. Okay. So now, hmm, I'm just trying to think about this. So then that means if you, when you say you weren't taking any money out, you weren't even using it for rent or bills or anything. So then from October to December, were you just going into your savings uh, for that then? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I like the confidence there. <laughs> now, have you since expanded from face masks to other categories or brands or, or, or niches or anything? Yeah, I expanded to thigh-high socks. Um, How did that come? That, that's not, you know, somebody say, oh yeah, I got a face mask brand and then maybe the next thing would be, you know, oh, I'm going to have the the face shield or something for, for, for coronavirus or something. But uh, how did you make that? transition is it the same brand or do you is it under different brand name now same brand millennials emotion and it was because one i'm just a big fan of it myself i think mm-hmm. um thigh high socks so there's a trend right now of thigh high boots right okay but thigh high boots are really painful to wear as a woman thigh high i wouldn't socks, know but yeah i'll take your word for it okay um thigh high socks are really comfy um and they make your legs look long and every girl you know wants that um okay. so i just personally liked it and then i went on helium and i did the research right? Does it have good demand? Does it have low competition? Um, and everything checked out. So then I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing it. We're doing the high socks next. Um, so then I started kind of a women's accessories and hosiery line. And when was this? When did you start this? I started it in about, yeah, about November. Okay. November, December was when I purchased my first inventory. I think December is when I launched. Um, and then I started getting sales in December for Okay. Now I assume that's one of the reasons maybe why you quit your job too. Cause you, if you were still working full time, you probably wouldn't have had the bandwidth to, to come up with this new brand and everything that involved is involved in, in launching a new brand. Right. Yeah. I just, I just felt like there was enough growth potential. I felt like this yeah. was my full-time job. And with this e-commerce, there were some nights I was so excited to work. I didn't want to sleep. I was too excited to work. And that I know the feeling. Never yep. happened in my tech job, um, and I was like, "Wow, I finally did it! I found." I love it. Warren Buffett said, "I love this line." He said, "Try to find your form of play career, a career that's like a form of play." I love it. You're all about quotes. Uh, I, lo- I love these quotes that you're giving. I these these, uh, these one-liners here. This is great. Now, um, you know, speaking of that, speaking of quotes and motivation and, and things like that, what was your like? Other than these quotes that you've mentioned, you know, what, what was your biggest source of motivation? You know, like let, let's just talk about personal or professionally speaking. You know, you talked about how, how, how great a feeling it was to not be working for quote unquote, the man, you know, or, or having to, to request vacation days. And so to have that independence and, and then to, to have that euphoria that comes with when you're an entrepreneur and you're like, you're like, I don't want to even sleep because I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Were, were those kind of things your, your main motivation? Cause it doesn't sound like what I'm not hearing from you. Which is which is fine. Everybody's different, but like, well, I'm not hearing like, man, I knew that I could make a million dollars of this, and I'm gonna wait, make 
way more money. So it doesn't sound like initially it was financially motivated, but more, more of like lifestyle. Yeah, related? more lifestyle, I think. Um, I mean, eventually I want to do a million and, and grow up and do that. Sure, sure. I think I have a lot to learn. And um, I would love to just kind of connect with the community more, like doing this, you know, Bradley meeting you. And um, just because I don't have any friends here that do e-commerce. Everyone's in tech. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I need to find a bigger community. And my dad has this mantra that I love. It's, um, Shan, there's two types of people in this world. There's people that will spend every waking moment of their life saving. If they want to go to Paris, they'll cut down on their lifestyle so that they can save $3,000 to go to Paris. Mm -hmm. Or there's people that spend every waking moment of their life earning, where if they want to go to Paris, they'll keep their lifestyle the same, but they'll figure out a way to make three grand extra to go to Paris. So he yeah. says it's always better to be an earner and not a saver. Um, and Ooh, I like that. That's, that's what I live by. There we go with another great one-liner from Shan here. I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, what advice uh, would you give to um, other, other entrepreneurs may, maybe just starting out? You know, maybe they're exactly in your in your shoes or your your thigh high socks that, that they're in uh, that you were in uh, a year ago where they're working full time right now. They, they're like, you know, I, I don't want to have to work a nine to five, but I'm scared, you know, to start like it took you. I think you said like a year to get started. So now looking back. If somebody else is in that same boat where they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of scared to, to get started. Like, what would you have told the 2018 you that maybe would have got you started earlier? Um, I, you know, in general, I don't think people should quit their job because you may make mistakes and I made a ton of mistakes. And it's a good thing that I had six months where I had both jobs. And it's doing Amazon business isn't, you know, in the beginning, it, it doesn't take that much time. You know, you don't need, you didn't, you don't need 12 hours a day. You can get by with even a few hours a day in the very beginning because you're just waiting for your shipment to arrive. Yeah. Um, so I would say don't, don't quit your job. Um, mm -hmm. Keep that until you see the growth and you learn. Um, and it does take time to learn. And, um, and I also think my philosophy, my, my low risk philosophy is to not just launch one product, um, which is the opposite of what every YouTuber talks yeah, about. Yeah. My philosophy is, is you can launch the same type of product, right? Like face masks, but mm -hmm. launch like 10 of them. Because um, if you just launch one and nobody wants it, then you just wasted a long time. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. You know, not every product you're going to knock out of the park. So if you put all your eggs in one basket and it doesn't work out that well, well, you know, how are you going to launch another product? It's going to be hard to get the funds together. Now, um, just, you know, obviously like we, we found out about you from that CNBC video series, but how did, how did you get on their radar? Like, how did they find you? So I emailed them a year ago and I told them my story. Um, and it was right before the pandemic hit. And I was like, I'm from rural China and um, I, I'm really into the fire lifestyle and I wanna share my story. And they were, they were so you know, interested and accommodating. And we even picked a film date and it was like March, mid-March of 2020. And obviously that got canceled because that's when shelter in place happened. And yeah. um, it got pushed back and it got pushed back all the way to this year. And I'm so glad it did because I had a very boring story <laughs> a year ago. 
Um, I would rather the story be about millennials' emotion, about like starting an Amazon business, and not about just working at a tech firm. All right, guys, that sound means it's time for our CAT, our cat of the episode, which stands for Clubhouse After Party Tip. Once a week, we go live on the Clubhouse app and we bring back former Serious Sellers podcast guests to take live questions from you and they give you their best tip out there. So every episode, we're going to be giving you guys clips from these episodes that we've been doing on Clubhouse so that you can get some great strategies from our former guests. Now, if you guys have that Clubhouse app, make sure to search for the Club Serious Sellers podcast and follow it so that you can be notified when we go live. And you can also follow me on there H10 Bradley. This clip, we had actually two guests, Leo and Paul in the clubhouse and people asked them questions about chatbot marketing and Facebook marketing. And so here's a clip. If you want to listen to their original episodes, Leo is 2.30 and Paul is 2.17. So I know that you, I see that you do a lot of influencer marketing. What's your philosophy with, um, you know, influencer marketing versus like traditional paid ads? And like, what's, what's your like balance of the type of marketing that you currently do? Like, is it like 80% influencer marketing and then 20% paid ads? I'm curious um, because I've been in business for uh, about seven or eight years and like there's been a big shift in, in like influencer marketing versus paid. Yeah, good question. So for us, we did 100% influencer marketing for maybe... I would say like three years. Um, last year, I was like, okay, COVID hit. We need to bring our brand in front of like more people because everybody is at home. So I think last year, February, which is when the lockdown hit, is when we, uh, when I decided that okay, like we need to do more paid ads, um, and just to have our brand kind of like everywhere. And but yeah, up until that point, 100% influencer marketing. Um, was what was like like building our brand and growing our brand but I think influencer marketing and Facebook ads kind of go hand in hand so there's a few ways of doing this um, one is called white labeling so basically you can actually get um, business access to an influencer's uh, like Instagram account or Facebook page and you can actually run ads off their page so for example um, using Bradley as an example again, if he's an influencer and I can gain access to his business Instagram page and profile, um, and then I would require him to, for example, take a photo, uh, you know, wearing our leggings or whatever, and we would use that image um, and then run ads off his account, not our account, his account, so that when people see this ad, it would actually come from Bradley and under it, it would say sponsored and then the the photo would be, you know, him wearing our leggings and then the captions would be like, I don't know, whatever related, like, uh, like best leggings I've ever tried on shop now, link in bio, or here's a code 20% off. That way it's a little bit more organic than seeing a business profile and underneath it stays sponsored. And then obviously it's like a commercial video or whatever photo that you decided to put on, on your ads. It creates that personal connection. It's kind of like, oh, like Bradley is recommending me these leggings. And then even though they say they see it's sponsored and they know it's paid, it's a little bit more organic. So that is a really good way of running um, Facebook ads actually through an Instagram or TikTok, whatever influencers profile to reach new audience. 
And you can also pitch it to them and say like, hey, you know, we're putting your profile in front of new people. So you will actually gain followers and gain more reach and reach out to like new people. And we're spending the ad spend so you don't have to pay for anything. That's a really good selling point. And a lot of influencers will say yes to that. Um, although it is hectic to set up. So if you have someone like on your team that's really good with uh, Facebook ads or an agency, get, get them to help you do that. Um, and the other way for us is we utilize the influencer content to run our own Facebook ads. Um, that way it shows more social proof, showing that you have a lot of customers wearing your stuff and that it's not just product pictures all the time. Also for us, it's clothing. So people want to see how it looks on other women and, you know, different body types, how it looks. So by utilizing influencer content to run Facebook ads uh, works really, really well for us. It converts like much higher rather than using model, you know, white background photos. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how we do it. Let's talk a, a little bit about marketing. Obviously, you've mentioned that you that you use PPC extensively and you've had some kind of accidental influencer marketing, you know, that just happened organically. I've had that very similar experience. Uh, I've, I've given people on the podcast this story of how when I was doing phone cases, we had this this problem phone case. It, it was a, an error from the factory where they had this glitter inside of it. It was supposed to be clear. And so we're like, okay, we're not even gonna sell this on Amazon. Let's just throw it on eBay. And then all of a sudden we were selling like 50 a day. And we're like, what in the world is happening? How are people, why are people buying this? And when we did some research, it was a random vlogger on YouTube, put it up on her what's on my iPhone, you know, <laughs> vlog of the day. And then everybody just started buying it. So influencer marketing is great, especially the accidental one that you don't even have to pay anything for. But what other forms of marketing are you doing? Like, are you, are you leveraging social media? You know, do you have, uh, and you know, an Instagram account, do you have a Facebook group? Do you have an email list? Do you have a Shopify store that you're sending traffic to? How are you promoting your product outside of just PPC? So I do have a Shopify store. Um, and I am, I think this is the one thing I'm weak at is, um, promoting my products outside of PPC because I just don't have the time. I don't have time to, you know, create a huge Instagram following or, um, reach out to influencers, but I should. You've mentioned also, uh, that you, you Helium 10 has played a role, uh, in your, in your journey a little bit. What, what are your favorite tools and how do you use them uh, in Helium 10 for your business? So Helium 10 is, is what I wake up to every morning. <laughs> every morning I put on Helium 10. I'm like, where's my rankings? Oh my God. That was a video game. Um, it's funny. I spent my first month in the pandemic only playing video games and it was so unfulfilling. That's what started oh. millennials emotion. Um, and Helium 10 is like the funnest video game because you actually see your products grow in ranking. I love to use the keyword tracker. That's my favorite tool. Okay. Um, I also really like Cerebro where you can find out, you know, you discover more keywords, um, okay. other tools I really liked. And I actually asked CNBC to show Helium 10 and show these tools. They really want to give them credit for my success. Um, I really like my friend's startup called Shogun. Um, so starting a Shopify site with no coding experience is really hard. Um, and their templates aren't that pretty. So Shogun is like a drag and drop Shopify website builder. So I could make my website look a lot prettier without any coding experience. You've leveraged a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things here, and it sounds like you're doing everything by yourself. Like you you're, you're, you don't have any uh, virtual assistants or staff right now. You're, you're pretty much from A to Z 
you're you're running your entire Amazon and Etsy business on your own. Um, I do have um, I do hire you know contractors for some work like packing okay. and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, it is um, you know I'm trying to bootstrap it again, and not not spend too much money. So anything I can do myself, I try to do myself. But I am growing, so I do hope to you know, hire people eventually. We have this part of the show. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the podcast much, but we 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 call it the tss or the TST thirty second tip. So you've been you've been giving us nonstop tips throughout this episode, especially your one liners here and stuff. But what's something you haven't said, but you can say in thirty seconds or less, like some kind of strategy on Amazon or like a a mindset thing or or some more of your great quotes, whatever that you can tell uh, our listeners out there. Yeah, it'll be another one of my dad mantras. Um, one of his mantras is, if someone gives you a dollar, give them ten dollars back. And that's not saying like literally give them $10 back. It means it's just kind of the idea of giving, giving, right? And um, I think, you know, a lot of people, their mindset is, uh, what can I get from you? Give me, give me advice, you know, mentor me, coach me, whatever. But that's not the best way to build a real connection. The best way is to give first. So, um, you know, that that's why I actually, I, I really wanted them to put Helium 10 on the CNBC video because I wanted to show the world what are the tools I use to succeed it. I wanted to give that awareness for Helium 10. And because I did that, you reached out to me and we had this amazing Helium chat and now we're talking about wholesale like partnership, right? That, that's exactly how it works. Like you give first and then, um, and then things kind of snowball from there. So that would be my kind of like a life advice is that um, if you want someone to mentor you, don't just be like, hey, can you please mentor me as a charity case? No, give them something. Give them something yeah. and um, and then it just snowball from there and eventually you'll be super, super raging successful because everyone that's successful, that's what they do. They give first. I love it. I love it. That's that's something nobody's talked about here that much. So that, that is really, really cool. Now, you know, I imagine that if you just keep putting all your money into the business, uh, I mean, you're living off the savings, eventually your savings is going to run out unless you, you, you have a hundred million dollars saved or something. So what are your financial goals for your Amazon business? Like, what would you like it to get to maybe in 2021 or something so that now you can like be kind of living off of your Amazon revenue as opposed to, to, to taking from your savings? Like at what point are you stopping where you're like, all right, I'm not going to have to put every cent back into Amazon. Let's go ahead and start living off of this money. So my goal for 2021 is to double my business. Okay. If I double my business, I will basically be fire, right? I'll be financially independent, um, not having to take from my savings anymore. I'm just being able to invest and also draw because I still haven't drawn a dollar from, from the account yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's my goal for this year. But of course, you know, I want to keep growing beyond that. But right now, my goal in 2021 double. I love it. I love it. Well, we're definitely going to reach, I mean, I'm sure we'll be in contact anyways, but uh, for the podcast, at least we'll definitely reach out to you around this time, maybe in 20, 2022. And let's just see, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to crush not, not only reach that goal, you'll probably crush it and even do better. So we'd love to reach out to you to get an update. So uh, Shan, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. Uh, you're, you're definitely an inspiration to a, a lot of people out there. And, and I, I love your story and you are the, the prototypical 
you know, entrepreneur. This is the entrepreneur's journey. And I absolutely love stories like yours. So I'm, I thank you so much for, for coming on here. And then let's definitely keep in contact. Thank you so much, Braz. It's been awesome and really appreciate it.